Two out of three falls. Hey, welcome to a new edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. You're joined by Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, letter J-C-R-U-Z. And as always, we're joined by Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great as always, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Uh, we're doing this live on Thursday, July 13th. Here in New York City, we're just a couple of days uh, removed from the great, the first, first of all, the, the first ever Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. Uh, we did have Raw and SmackDown this week. Uh, I'm not going to be touching um, too much information on those shows because maybe to me, not, um, you know, not much happened. But before I even get to that, even before Sunday um, um, at the at the live event at the Garden here in New York, we had a very unexpected title change with AJ Styles winning the U.S. title from Kevin Owens. I was there. I was in the crowd, and I happened to be on, happened to be on my phone, and not saying I wasn't paying attention, but I had my head down, and I see AJ do the the flying forearm, and we get a one, two, three, and boom, we have a new U.S. champion. Very rare that a title, uh, a, a major title, changes hands. At a live event, without you know, you know, giving the belt back or a smash finish, but uh, regardless, AJ Styles is the new United States champion. They'll have a rematch at Battleground later this month. But uh, when you're on Twitter Friday night and you see all these tweets about AJ winning the the, the U.S. title uh, from Kevin Owens, what was going th- what, what was going through your mind? Somebody you tweeted it. I was jealous. I wish you could have been there. I went to my first MSG show. I'd been to MSG before for a basketball game about 10 years ago, never for a wrestling show mm-hmm. up until December. And in that show, John Cena came back. It was a SmackDown Hour show, and it was fun. Um, but now since WWE doesn't do any more televised shows there anymore, I know they did that network special a few years back, but they haven't done a Raw there, SmackDown there, a real pay-per-view there. Right. In a number of years, close to 10 years, which is crazy, so... To do the title change at all, I think is great. There's going to be polarizing opinions like, why didn't they put that battleground? Why didn't they wait until SmackDown to do it? This is why they did it. This is why they did it. Obviously, it really comes down to one thing. They did it to boost their live event business. They haven't done a main roster title change. I know they did the one, the, the one on NXT for Joe and Balor, which I was in attendance for last year, which was amazing. The NXT championship uh, last year. They haven't done one with a main roster belt. Right. And I want to be close to about five years or so since the tag titles changed. I think like Primo and Epico won them at a house show. That was only because Devin Bourne got suspended and he needed to get out of the way early. Uh, this one they just did just because. And Owens is not hurt. He's not suspended. He only really did it because it was a cool moment. It's going to boost live event attendance, I'm sure. Like anything truly can happen. Like you said, you weren't expecting I'm sure no one else was as well. So I thought it was a cool move. Now we get a kind of a different story going into Battleground later this month. I guess the whole theme of that show is like the evil foreigners with Kevin Owens and Jinder Mahal and Rusev. That is what it is. Um, and I'm looking forward to Owens and AJ part two or three of Battleground. It should be cool. And I even like the fact that AJ said on SmackDown on Tuesday that it looks like he's bringing back the U.S. Open Challenge from John Cena that he used to do two years ago, which was the best part of Raw in 2015. So right. Looking forward to that. All things considered, I thought it was a great move by WWE. Yeah, it was. I think it was a very shocking moment um, You know, for the fans that are there. You just don't expect that. With the U.S. Intercontinental Tag Team title, World title, I think the last time that I remember um, a major title and obviously this, you know, I don't count the Samoa Joe um, NXT title win, but going back all the way to, you know, you know, showing my age, 1994, when Diesel beat Bob Backlund for the World Wrestling Federation title in the garden uh, f- uh, for the title. And again, it's not, it, it, it's very rare, but I guess at the same time, when that happened, it to me, it kind of took people back to the old days where, you know, Again, quote unquote, anything can happen in the company where you can defend your title anywhere in the world, and 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 you can lose that belt. So uh, seeing AJ win and the crowd reaction, uh, Graham was so like, 
they were happy, but they were also shocked at, at the same time. Like, whoa, like, okay, hold on. I mean, you know, they'd probably give it back on, on Tuesday, uh, you know, for, for some odd reason. But AJ was there on Tuesday with the belt uh, looking to do the, 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 the weekly uh, U.S. title challenge. We've seen John Cena come out. Uh, we get the, the tag team match for the main event on SmackDown. And uh, now he would defend the belt against Kevin Owens at Battleground. So do you think that AJ holds on to the belt for, for, quite, a, uh, for quite some time? Or do we see KO win the belt back at Battleground? I think AJ holds on at this point. I mean, having Owens win it back would be worse because Kevin Owens is going to do a great job as champion regardless. Uh, but they just did that with Jericho at Payback a few months ago where Owens won at WrestleMania and Jericho won it back like a month later yeah. um, at the that pay-per-view. Then Owens won it back two days after that. So, I mean, I'm not a quick, I'm not a fan of quick title changes when they do short title reigns. So I hope they keep it on AJ for the long term. Um, a friend of mine pitched to me about well before this happened in regards to the battleground, but now that the title's already changed hands, it's even more possible now that you have AJ beat Owens definitively a battleground and move on from there. And if they did a rematch at SummerSlam, that'd be fine because they work well together. But I think what would be cool, um, as opposed to going the route that we all kind of think that they will, is doing Jinder and Cena for the WWE Championship. Instead, you have AJ and Jinder fight for the WWE title, as well as the U.S. Championship. And it would kind of make sense with Jinder wanting, you know, to eliminate all Americans from SmackDown, beating Randy Orton a few times. And uh, going after AJ wanted to take that title hostage. I mean, very similar to what we saw with Cena and Rollins from a few years ago. That wasn't really so much about the U.S. Championship as it was with winner take all. This would be a similar situation, but Jinder wants to take complete you know, control of SmackDown by taking that Star Spangled Prize as well. So I can kind of see him going that route, and it would be cool if AJ won. Because quite honestly, and there's no real doubt about this, AJ is not only the best guy on that brand, but really, in my opinion, the entire company, in-ring-wise, in terms of being over right now. AJ should be the champion, realistically. Yeah. Uh, you know, ideally, right now, obviously, he's not. Jinder is just not really doing it for me, personally. But uh, I think if there's anyone who could get a main event match out of Jinder Mahal, then one of the main matches Orton was fine, but if anyone can get a great match out of him, it's AJ Styles. So uh, that's what I hope to see, but either way, I do think they will keep the title on AJ in the long term. Well, the Battleground card so far looks pretty good. I know me and you will get to that next week for the preview of Battleground. Um, real quick on on Great Ball. Matter of fact, real quick um, with the with the the live event, it was funny how you know again that happened on Friday, and then what we saw on Sunday, Graham. If you were in the garden, some of the finishes that you saw that you saw on Sunday happened on Friday. At MSG, for example, where uh, the the tag match with the Hardys and uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, the same exact finish where Hardy would go for the Swanton, then Cesaro would swoop in and get the one, two, three. The same thing happened on Friday. Same thing happened on Sunday, which I thought that was kind of interesting. So, um, you know, our truth beat Goldust in the Garden. I mean, it, it, to me, for those who haven't went to uh, uh, or never been to a live event, I think that was either my first. Or, you know, I haven't been to a live event in such a long time. It's, it's different. It's more intimate, more compact, not that much lights. You know, once the match finishes, the next match comes out. Uh, obviously, there's no commercial breaks. We, we had like a little 10, 15-minute intermission. Other than that, it was pretty much two, uh, two and a half hours. Uh, we saw, I mean, we saw many, a small mini wide family reunion kind of you know just kind of like working on the same page with bray and Strowman uh near the end so i don't know how that how is that going to play out on tv uh coming up and also a a, a mini shield reunion with, with seth and, and and roman reigns and seth was talking to the crowd saying hey msg we hear you um you know stuff like that so uh, the, the fans wanted i think they're going to go in, in that direction um soon which bring, which brings me to Raw, where you you, you saw Seth and, and Dean Ambrose on the same page against uh, Miz, um, the Misteraj. So, um, are, do you think that we're on the path where it's slow, like a slow burn, where Seth, Dean, and Roman eventually get together back once again? 
I think so, and it's definitely for the best too, especially considering where all three guys are right now. And I think it's I think all three guys right now could use a shield reunion. I mean it would be one thing if Seth Rollins was killing his champion as he was two years ago, or Dean Ambrose was the uh, top baby face in the company, didn't need anyone else around him, or Roman Reigns wasn't being booed all the time or whatever, but obviously I mean Hopefully the heat for Roman isn't so strong, and it's pretty strong, um, but hopefully it's not so strong to the point where they would start to boo Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. But every single time we've seen Roman with Dean or Roman with Seth, he's always gotten cheered, and I'm sure officials have been uh, aware of that as well. But not only that, I mean, Seth, he's been a good baby face, not a, not a great baby face, not quite at that top-tier level yet that he's that he has the potential to be at. But the feud with Bray has done nothing for me as well as I'm sure many other people. Mm. He needs something fresh. He needs a fresh coat of paint. Dean Ambrose, for God's sakes, he needs to move away from the Miz and needs some sort of character overall. overall. He needs a heel turn more than anyone else right now. Um, but reuniting the Shield, I think, would be for the best. I saw a lot of people freaking out that, oh, the Miz Tourage isn't worthy of a Shield reunion. Why are they being wasted on a Shield reunion? Whatever. Um, I'd be surprised, honestly, if that was the SummerSlam match, if it was Seth and Roman, uh, or rather Seth and Dean against two members of the Miz Tourage or a three-on-two. I honestly think it's going to be blown off in the next few weeks, mm -hmm. and then Dean and Seth will face someone else at SummerSlam, whether it be Gallows and Anderson, uh, which would be pretty cool, and they turn, you know, Battler heel maybe, and they turn it, you know, they finally form the Bullet Club. Or they go after the Raw Tag Team titles, which I said on Twitter on Monday might be the best course of action. Because when you think about it, we really have no baby-based tag teams on Raw now. I mean, we have the Hardy Boys, but they lost the tag team title match a few times, so they're not getting back in contention anytime soon. They broke up Enzo and Cass. They broke, they broke up the Golden Truth. Uh, there's Slater and Rhino, but who really cares about them? They're not really a top tag team. So putting Ambrose and Rollins in the conversation for now until Roman eventually joins them down the road once he's done with Lesnar and Strowman and Joe and whatever uh, for the fall, I think would be for the best. So I'm hoping that's the direction they're going and I'm intrigued to see where they go with it going forward. You know, it's, it's really amazing how, you know, we feel like so many, so many wrestlers need a heel turn. It's like we want the whole entire roster to be heel. We want Dean Ambrose to, uh, to turn heel. I mean, I, I want that. You know, fans want Finn Balor to do a heel turn. We, me and you have been yearning for a Sasha Banks heel turn. I, 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 I would like Bailey to to turn heel. There's so, so many people that that we see every every week that we want to to, to turn heel. Um, I'm asking you, is there a reason why why we need well, not need but why we want all these people to turn heel? Where eventually, like you said. There's not that many uh, baby faces on on either side. I saw from John Cena, Dean Ambrose, but I guess a lot of these baby faces are portrayed in in, in a corny kind of kitty way. Where you know, if you're a good guy, you know, I, I, I you know, I I want to see you do some work. Every every other guy that of a girl that we see are more uh, more better in 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 a bad guy role. Uh, why is that? Why do we want to see so many people with a heel turn? I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of different ways to tackle that question. I mean, obviously, back to what we were saying last week with um, the Hogan heel turn and celebrating 21 years of that turn and how heels are just mostly more beloved than baby faces nowadays. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at AJ Styles, I and mean, I think they did the right thing in turning him back baby faces. He was getting to the point where he was doing almost everything he could to get booed, but people didn't hate AJ Styles. He's just so good, you couldn't help but share the guy. And honestly, he's more over now as the baby face than he was when he first showed up and he was the baby face the first time around. And everyone was saying, I mean, myself included, everyone was skeptical that, oh, AJ's going to be buried as a heel. He'll be losing all the time. He'll look like a chicken shit heel. And I mean, that was the case at certain points, but by and large, he was killing it as a heel to the point where they had to turn it back face. He's a prime example of a guy who's perfectly cast as a baby face. You don't want to boo the guy because he's so great. Um, as for the rest of the baby faces, they're just not being booked all that well. I mean, I honestly think it's the opposite where we have too many baby faces and some I think could afford to turn heel. Um, I mean, there was, there was a time where we didn't really have many credible heels either, especially on the SmackDown side. That's why I had a uh, boost up Jinder, who I still don't buy the believable threat to the main event scene, but that's just me. I mean, we have Baron Corbin, but he's a work in progress. 
Um, Rusev just came back. Kevin Owens is doing well, but that's really about it. And on Raw, you have Brock, who's really not a heel or face. He's Brock Lesnar. You have Samoa Joe and Braun, who are killing it. But Miz is mostly a mid-card guy. Unfortunately, he should be on SmackDown. Bray won two matches. They're trying to rehab him, but it's going to take a, a lot more rehabbing for people to start to take him seriously again. But yeah, for the baby faces, it's just... Again, Seth, I think it, it, in the long term will be more successful as a face than he ever was as a heel, but they're just not giving him much to work with. Ambrose, seeming, I think he's going to be thriving in the long term as a heel. Uh, Roman should be a heel, but, I mean, we've complained about that so many times. I don't think they're ever going to turn, at least anytime soon. And then on the SmackDown side, they have AJ, which is great. They have, I mean, they have Balor on Raw. They're not really doing much with him. They have Sami Zayn. They're not doing a ton with him beyond the Mike Bennett feud, the Mike Canales feud. So, I don't know. It's really not that these people aren't good faces or can't be good faces. They're just not booking them properly. And I don't know if it's, in, it's easier to book heels and faces. It's really a whole uh, other discussion. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of people, including Sasha Banks and other people like that, including Bailey Joe, that just need a fresh coat of paint. And um, it could really benefit from turning heel. But at the same time, you need to keep it even with faces and heels. So if you turn someone heel, you got to turn someone face, too. And that might be hard. Like, I don't want to see Samoa Joe go face anytime soon or Alexa go face anytime soon. So it's tough to kind of keep it an even playing field for both shows. What I did find interesting uh, on Sunday and, you know, following that uh, on Twitter is that a lot of fans thought that we saw a, a, a double turn with Roman and, and Braun Strowman from the from the pay per view on Sunday, um, for me, I didn't I didn't get that. I didn't see that. Maybe you you kind of felt that way or or not. But uh, from what I kept seeing on Twitter, it was like, oh, they they failed at what could have been or what should have been a a perfect double turn where you know fans would now officially the company would go in, in the direction of Roman Reigns being a bad guy because what he did with Strowman with the ambulance and then Strowman walking out on his own with blood on his face uh, from the ambulance stuff and now he should be portrayed as a good guy. Uh, to me, you know, this ain't Brett and Stone Cold 20 years ago. That's that's the ultimate double turn. We're not going to get that ever again and I don't think that was the, the, the case uh, on Sunday. Did, did One, did you see that... Did you did you get that, or are we still on? Um, Strowman is like a tweener, and Reigns is still a tweener. I got that vibe as well. Um, some people can share their sentiment just because it about came across. In reality, that's really what they should have done. I think they uh, they missed the boat there and not doing the double turn, just because obviously, as we've been saying for the last two three years now, Roman would be much better off as a heel. I think he'd be much better cast as a heel right now before becoming an even, an even bigger baby face down the road. And not that Braun is going to be the biggest baby face of all time, but he's being cheered anyway. People love to see him kick ass. And he walked out of that ambulance on his own merits. He walked out on his own. So he came across like a baby face. And then even Roman and even the little things, like when he looked in the, in the side mirror before almost killing Braun Strowman, Mm. And I know he said, oh, you know, you guys did that all the time in the attitude era. And that's not on Raw to Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar and, and guys like that and, and Paul Heyman. But it's like, dude, you're not Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, you could get away with that kind of thing. Roman Reigns cannot get away with that type of thing. Everyone loves Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was a lot like Brock Lesnar today, where he wasn't a face, he wasn't a heel. He was just Stone Cold Steve fucking Austin. And Roman Reigns is not that guy. He's getting booed more often than not. And I uh, just... I don't know. I mean, if you turn him heel, like we'd all start cheering him. I think he would still be booed. I think he'd be better off as a heel um, before you can turn him back baby face down the road. But I think we all see what we want to see. I think everyone wanted to see a double turn. Obviously, that's what we wanted to happen. So it's not going to happen. And I wasn't too disappointed the next night when he didn't come out as a heel and he wasn't addressed as a heel by, like, the commentators and people in the ring and stuff like that because if they were going to turn this guy heel... And I said this a million times. They would have done it a few years ago and they had the chance, but the ultimate opportunity to turn Roman Reigns heel happened even a few months ago at WrestleMania. The guy retired the Undertaker seemingly, and hopefully he did. I mean, they keep on leaving. They keep on saying he may have retired him, but he was hoping he actually did retire him. But they keep on saying, you know, Roman Reigns retired the Undertaker. Like, it's almost the equivalent, if not worse, than saying that Brock, Le Brock Lesnar broke the streak. Because, you know, one of our fan favorites, one of the 
most beloved baby faces in company's history, in the WWE's history, is now gone thanks to Roman Reigns. And he got that huge heat the next night on Raw, and they did nothing with it. He just saying, this is my yard. He just kept saying, this is my yard. This is my yard. And it went nowhere. Yeah. So if they didn't turn him heel then, then they're not going to turn him heel now. I, I don't know why people just don't pick up on that at this point. And now it's amazing, which, which, which brings me to Monday. Reigns can lose the match. Samoa Joe can lose the match on Sunday. And now they're fighting to be the number one contender for Brock Lesnar at, at SummerSlam. It's, it's funny how shit works. Um, and then Braun Strowman, Strowman, Strowman wins the match. He's not on Raw. Um, he's nowhere in this uh, contendership match. But I think, you know, Braun is going to have some impact on Monday uh, when, when Joe fights uh, Reigns. And um, to me, that was the best segment of Raw and, and SmackDown. It had, you know... It had a little bit of an attitude Eric kind of vibe because you know one we saw Brock Lesnar get on the microphone and to me, as much as I love Paul Heyman on the microphone, I'm I'm like I, I'm like at a point where just let Brock talk because you're bound to get something funny, sarcastic. You might get a curse line here and there to throw the fans off. Just let Brock talk in the microphone and and that's why when 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 Rain says you know I should be the new number one contender, Brock was like, you don't deserve shit. And it's true, because he did, lo- he, he did lose the match. Samoa Joe lost the match against Brock the, the, the night before, so why are we still um, having Reigns and Joe uh, uh, for the title? Where I think what they might do is the following, where they might they might just do a fatal four-way. Braun's going to get involved on Monday. They say, F it, Brock uh, Roman, Braun, Samoa Joe, Fatal 4-Way at SummerSlam, or they can have Braun interfere, make Roman lose again, they do another match at SummerSlam with a different stipulation, and have Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar Part 2. I mean, there are many ways they can go in this route. Kurt Angle's facial expressions uh, you know, told the whole story, which I felt the whole segment was great. Um... Where do you think they go? Are we getting two separate matches at SummerSlam with these four guys, or, or do you feel like we're getting a fatal four-way for the Universal Championship? I really don't know for a fact, and that's why I'm looking for this. Because, like you said, there's a couple different routes they can go. Really, realistically, there's maybe four different routes they can go. I think what I fear the most, which is what I feel like will happen, so I kind of brace the brace for the worst when it comes to this company. That Roman beats Joe next week. Because as Joe brought up on Monday, that Roman has yet to beat him, which usually more often than not is an indicator that Reigns is finally going to get that win over Joe. And then we get Reigns and Lesnar SummerSlam, and Reigns wins the belt there. Or, like you said, Joe pins Reigns, and then he goes on to SummerSlam, and then we get Lesnar and Joe too. Whether it happens at SummerSlam, the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, or a random other pay-per-view, like Hell in a Cell or something. Joe and Lesnar need to have another pay-per-view match. Uh, I think that's pretty definite. They need to have another match at some point. And, uh, coming off that match at Great Balls of Fire, it was too good to not do again. So you can either do it at SummerSlam and be that. You can go with the original plan that was planned months ago and do Lesnar and Strowman. He comes out on Monday, kills both Joe and Reigns, and then somehow gets a title shot for himself, as he should. I mean, of Reigns, Joe, and uh, as of, you know, of... Braun Strowman was the only one who was paper you last Sunday. So realistically, from a sort of standpoint, considering, you know, hopefully, you know, in this scenario, wins and losses would matter, that he would get the next title shot at SummerSlam. Or, like you said, which I hope does happen, you do a fatal four-way. It's really the best of every world in that scenario because all four guys are in the same match. Because if you do one-on-one, any one of them against Brock Lesnar, then what happens to the other two? Do you do Samoa Joe and Braun one-on-one? Like, that wouldn't make much sense. Roman Reigns and Braun again one-on-one? Like, we just saw that on three other big views, so I would hope not. Do you do Joe and Reigns, which we're already going to see this coming Monday? So a fatal four-way makes the most sense. In my opinion, I know it's not going to happen. I think the best way to go about this, you go with odd hand, and you have Joe walk out of SummerSlam as the new champion. I know he didn't win on Sunday, um, but I'm real, and which I kind of figured he wouldn't. But I hope that he comes out of SummerSlam, the new champion. Because in a fatal four-way, Lesnar doesn't have to get pinned. And then you can build the Brock and Joe, too. Right. This time with Joe as champion. You can put the belt on Brock if you want through the Rumble. Or you just do Joe and Brock at WrestleMania. 
for the title or not. I think it has to happen again at some point in the next couple months. So, again, my scenario in my fantasy booking world, I'll have Joe in the belt. You have to. He's the best thing going on Raw. You got the biggest thought that all three guys on Monday's Raw. And I completely agree with what you said before, too, uh, that Lesnar, he just comes out. It's the same thing every week. He doesn't really do anything. He just kind of bounces around while Heyman does the talking. Maybe roughs someone up every once in a while. But him doing the talking for himself on Monday, I thought was perfect. What he had to say was short, sweet, and to the point. Saying that Raymond, that Roman Reigns does not deserve shit was perfect. Joe played it off perfectly. I thought that segment was by far the best thing of anything we saw on Raw and SmackDown this week. So, again, I'm looking forward to what they do on Monday. Hopefully it's not the wrong booking decision. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing what they do because I'm not 100% sure as of right now. Yeah, and, and you know what? It was also amazing to see Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar in the same ring and at the same time. And when you see that, you automatically go back to their, their match at WrestleMania 19. And just to quite think about it, you're like, damn, you know, that was that was 14 years ago. Kurt Angle still in the prime against Brock Lesnar even before his prime. And it's like, wow, 14 years later, we we, we, we fast forward and look, and look you know, Brock is still wrestling. Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle's a retired GM now. So uh, speaking of Kurt Angle, uh, I think, you know, what they left off with, you know, um, just to kind of recap, uh, cap off Raw and SmackDown, is now what's this? What is this angle? No point intended. That Kurt Angle is involved in, where he's on the phone. Uh, I, I love you, and you know whatever kiss may be, whatever happens happens. We have no idea. We can speculate who it is, or you know what it's going to be about. My thing is, I really don't care as long as they don't mess it up or be a, a kind of BS kind of uh, kind of an angle where it doesn't make sense. Um, what what direction uh, do you think that they go? Is it like, does Stephanie get involved? Is, is it Dixie Carter? Somebody else? What do you think this whole angle uh, involving current angle is really all about? You are 100% correct. I could not agree more that I don't really care what the payoff is as long as it's something good and it doesn't disappoint me. Like, I right. don't want to get my high hopes. I don't want to get my hopes up higher for this angle reveal come Monday because knowing their track record of this thing, at least in the past 10 years or so, from, like, the raw anonymous GM to this <laughs> yeah. to that, it's always the same thing. It's always disappointing. And, uh, I mean, they have soap opera writers writing for WWE, which is why when they do these type of storylines, like the whodunit type storylines, yeah. they're usually pretty well done. Um, I mean, that's like the big hook for Monday. I mean, Joe and Reigns is huge, but when it comes to this type of storyline, you know, soap, or soap opera like stuff, they do it pretty well because they have those kind of writers writing for their shows. The thing is, is that when you mix that with wrestling and the wrestling writers start to get involved and they're trying to coexist, it usually is a pretty shitty outcome or they don't know what the right outcome should be. So they think that they, you know, blame it on a midget like Hornswoggle, it would be funny, but it's not. It just, it just ruins it for everyone. So, come Monday, I honestly have no idea where they're going with this. I've seen the Dixie Carter scenario, that the Dixie Carter idea. Um, I doubt that's the case. That started out as a joke, and um, I think some people kind of took it seriously because they're in Nashville next week. Yeah. It's not going to be Dixie Carter. They wouldn't even acknowledge TNA on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> they barely acknowledged it in the WWE 24 special on Kurt Angle, so I doubt that's the case. And I'm sure they have no interest in bringing her in as an on-air character, let alone in any... Uh, business position, any financial position, given her track record with TNA. But, um, no, it's not Dixie. I've seen some people say that Chad Gable might be Kurt Angle's love child with someone else. I mean, <laughs> I would not put that past them. I mean, I would. I, it would be interesting. I mean, Chad Gable's been on TV a lot more recently in the past couple of weeks, so without Jason Jordan, maybe Jason Jordan's his love child. I have no idea. I mean, there's a couple of different ways they can go with this. Um, again, I don't really care what it is as long as it's not disappointing and as long as it, I don't know if I can live up to the hype because the hype's been pretty well done over the past month and a half or so uh -huh. with Corey Graves and Angle and everything else. So we'll see where it goes, but, uh, here's hoping it's not disappointing. That's my only thing when it comes to this Kurt Angle angle, as you called it. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I, I at least, at least it's a storyline that we can look forward to because that's what they did back in the day. Where you know, you know, next week on Raw, what's gonna happen? This and that, and and 
it was a, 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 a cliffhanger. We're like, man, I can't wait till Monday. I, I, I want to find out what happens with this guy or whatever. Um, so now everybody's waiting, you know, what's this whole Kurt Angle deal going to be about? And I think what they should do is wait till, you know, wait to the very end. You know, don't don't pay off that segment right at the beginning because once that happens, and you know, fans might might not watch the the remainder of Raw. So you just thread that throughout the entire uh, episode of Raw. What's gonna happen? And and Kurt Angle comes out at the end and says whatever the case may be. Uh, I look forward to it. It's something interesting, uh, and, and and I think they should be doing more of that. And I think if they were to be doing more of that, me and you and, and other fans across the world will, will, will actually give a shit about what they're doing because when people just going out there mm-hmm. and having matches with no no dialogue, no storyline, it's like, you know, why should I care about Goldust and R-Truth for the 40th time? Why should I care about Miz and Dean Ambrose for the 40th time? Like, it just, you know, something like that, I, I, I hope that this pans, this pans out well. So that going forward, they can do more things like this. They 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 did a great job with the Brock Lesnar segment. Him, you know, him on the microphone. Kurt Angle at the end. Um, Roman Reigns and Strowman has been, I think, the, the best storyline uh, feud going on right now. So it remains to be seen what that what that angle is. But as we both agreed, I really hope it's like, oh wow, like oh, like okay, now now we got something. Not just like, oh really? That's that's what they're gonna do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, people forget that this is a television show. I yeah. mean, it's the male soap opera, but that's that's really one of the things. I mean, people joke about that all the time, but at the end of the television show, you can't have a show with 500 matches all the time. I mean, I'm a big wrestling fan as anyone else when it comes to entering action and having guys like Kevin Owens and AJ Styles on the roster. Right. But at the same time, you have to have intrigue. Like you said, why am I going to watch Raw next week? They have Samoa Joe, and, uh, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns, which is great. It's got big implications when it comes to SummerSlam. Something at stake, that's great. But, like, otherwise, they're not really doing, like, when was the real last captivating storyline? They, they do a few here and there, like when Punk left six years ago. That's over five years ago at this point. Wow. And stuff like that. They don't really do many, like, holy shit, I can't wait until next week type storylines. The Kurt Angle one is as basic as it gets. You don't know who's on the, other, on the other end of the phone, but you can't wait to find out. And again, like you said, if it bombs, then like many other angles have before, which is why people don't have much faith, myself included, that this will pay off too well in the end. Mm-hmm. But if it does, you know, succeed and, and it, they do do a good payoff on Monday, that'll give us more faith that, man, I wish they would do more stuff like this in the future and it'll give us more, you know, something else to look forward to and then they'll do more of it in the future, like you said. Because as of right now, They've done this type of stuff before, and it never pays off well. This is infinitely more compelling and interesting than the same old shit they do every single week with, like, Noam Dar and Cedric Alexander and fighting for the love <laughs> of some woman on the roster. How many times yeah. have we seen that shit? Yeah. Nobody cares. Like, this type of thing, we've, we've seen stuff like this before, Kurt Angle, like, who's on the other end of the line, like, who's who's he talking to on the phone? But it's compelling, so hopefully, again, it's something good. I've seen Stephanie as a possible reveal as well. I doubt they would do an affair storyline with Stephanie and Angle, despite their history on TV. It would be interesting, though. But, uh, yeah, I, for one, I'm looking forward to it. Here's hoping it is worth the wait. And like you said, I think the best thing to do would be to wait until the final segment of the show to blow it off and not do it with Roman Reigns or uh, Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar, like that big reveal or the big brawl they had on Raw a few weeks back. They did it in the first segment. There was literally no reason to watch Raw for the remainder of that night. I know that why they did it, they had to big basketball game, but still, I really hope they uh, wait and hold off to do it until the final segment of the night. Because that's what people are tuning in to Raw to see, uh, other than, you know, Joe and Reigns on Monday night. You know what's funny, Graham? I actually made a joke on Twitter on Monday saying that hey, Kurt Angle's going to go out there and, and reveal that he didn't, you know, the whole big thing is um, really about that he's going to said that he did not wrestle with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> that would be interesting. I mean, anything to get Kurt Angle back in the ring, I'm all for. I do think this all ends, all roads point to, uh, all roads end with uh, Triple H and Kurt Angle. Maybe not at SummerSlam, but at WrestleMania. I think they will, um, whether it be against Triple H or not. I think Kurt Angle wrestling is really only inevitable. And this is one step closer, another reason to look forward to the culmination of the storyline. 
I mean, if you mention uh, Triple H, then then this might have to involve Stephanie, right? At some point, we haven't seen Stephanie and Hunter since uh, WrestleMania. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he was on the phone with her that day saying "I love you." Maybe, maybe it's just I don't know because I know when Corey Graves and, and, and people who pay attention to detail like me, you know, when the whole uh, angle started, he I think he uh, said something like uh, to Corey that you know if if this gets out, it might ruin me. So I'm like, all right, so it has to be something where she on his wife or Stephanie or whatever the case may be. So the, regardless, it has to be something where it'll cliffhang week in, week out. And if you mentioned Triple H to have a fight with Kurt Angle. Maybe this is Kurt Angle's final match and he'd rather have it with Triple H. And then you just thread that all the way. I, I doubt SummerSlam, but you thread that all the way to WrestleMania and Kurt Angle having one final match uh, with the company at a WrestleMania does make sense, but I think the only way, uh, storyline-wise, if if you uh, you involve uh, Stephanie McMahon somehow, yeah, she'll be involved at some point. I don't know if it comes here or it comes later. Like you said, I doubt she was the one that he was talking to at the end of Raw this week. Um, but like you said, they said at the beginning, they said it on Monday on you know this past Monday on Raw that whatever it is, it might ruin Kurt Angle, it might get him fired. So. Do Stephanie McMahon, she's back, she fires him. Um, but I really hope that when she does inevitably come back, and I really hope she never does, but we all know that she will. I just don't think she's <laughs> necessary at all. And Raw has been a bit better recently. Um, and people complain all the time about how boring Raw is, how much it sucks. It's not going to be any better. It's probably going to be a lot worse with Stephanie around because it was not good for a good stretch of time. Uh, during even the most recent brand extension, uh, now that it's still going on, but when she was bullying McFoley week in and week out, I mean, the comment on your very show yeah. uh, late last, they might as well put the title on Stephanie McMahon because she's the biggest and most prominent figure on the show. Damn and right. then God, she's been gone since WrestleMania. A lot longer than I thought she would be gone. So I'm glad that she is gone. She will be back eventually. And when she is back, here's hoping that she does not play as pivotal of a role as she did before. And when she is back, here's hoping Kurt Angle just doesn't, you know, tuck his tail between his legs and walk away like Nick Foley did, like a complete pussy. I really hope he sticks up for himself and we eventually get, you know, the return of Triple H and a wrestler role and, you know, the rest is history. But, yeah, Stephanie will be back. It's more a matter of when than if. And I would not be shocked if this angle does involve her in some form or fashion. We're chatting with Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report here on Two Out of Three Falls Podcast. Um, Graham, um, today, 20 years, Bash at the Beach, 97, Dennis Rodman, NWO, Hollywood Hogan against Lex Luger and the Giant in the main event. Um, you know, that was the prime time where you get guys from different sports coming into the world of wrestling. And that's something that we don't get nowadays. But Dennis Rodman, NWO, 20 years ago, Bash at the Beach, 97. Um, have you seen this match? And if you have, what did you make of it? And what do you think about 20 years ago today that we had that main event? I have not seen the match. I don't think in full. I'm sure it's seen clips of it on the rise and fall of WCW DVD. I've definitely seen clips of it before, definitely not the match in its entirety. I will say LeVar Ball and the Ball family are no Dennis Rodman <laughs> and the publicity they did for WCW. I mean, regardless of what you think of the match itself, whether it was an instant classic, it was a train wreck, whatever, they got publicity. The fact that we're talking about this 20 years removed from the fact shows that WCW was doing something right. And, of course, that was at the peak of their popularity, uh, a year removed from the debut of the NWO, which we talked about last week. Um, but they were still doing something right and bringing in Dennis Rodman, a huge name at the time. And uh, that was the that, that, that was really the, the best way to incorporate celebrities in your product in kind of a natural way, people that fans like and stuff like that without having them go out there and make a mockery of the business. It made sense. It looked cool. Being a part of the NWO, it was like, wow, you know, I, I like Dennis Rodman and he's a part of the NWO. This is pretty cool shit. I'm going to watch the show. And again, the fact that we're still talking about it all these years later, it goes to prove, goes to show that it was a massive success. Um, so definitely one of the highlights of WCW around that period of time, to say the least. And my final point to you, Graham, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you've um, you've seen it. I did a, a a poll question, not a poll, but a question out there saying that, you know, when we did the show last week, it was a 21-year anniversary for Bash at the Beach 96. And I said, to me, that was the most important pay-per-view of that company. I, again, there's Lamborghinis, there's Starcades, there's, you know, 
quality matches, but as far as the pay-per-view and changing changing the landscape of, of pro wrestling, Bash at the Beach 96 is up there for WCW as the most important pay-per-view. So my question was out there to Twitter was, if Bash at the Beach 96 was the most important pay-per-view for WCW, then WWF slash E most important pay-per-view has to be blank. So I got a lot of responses. Um, I think I narrowed down to what I think are the five, six most important pay-per-views within WWF and and E. And I want to see if you agree with me, uh, disagree with me, or agree, disagree with the fans. So um, from Jam underscore Brandon, he did say Money in the Bank 2011 took the, the company out of the quote-unquote PG era. So we got Money in the Bank 2011 with Cena and CM Punk. Um, who else we got here? We got uh, at BDMII underscore. It has to be WrestleMania 1 to keep it all the way. Um, to keep it 100 with you, it might honestly be King of the Ring 1996. Um, Mike underscore something <laughs> wrestlemania one we have at, at captain hype the deadly game survivor series which was a uh, survivor series 1998 we have jorge c flores 22 the first wrestlemania it solidified that wrestling was now a national mainstream product the company does not ex- uh, exist without wrestlemania one um at R Bond 1, WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 13, Survivor Series 1997. 13 is more important than 14 uh, because it started the, the uh, Stone Cold's momentum, but 14 was just riding the wave. At JD Oliva, WrestleMania 1, Vince McMahon gambled the entire company on its success. Mania 1 changed the industry. And Daniel Soden, Mm, WrestleMania 3 and Survivor Series 97 come to mind. So before I get to the other responses, uh, are you leaning towards agreeing with everybody uh, of their responses or is there a a pay-per-view that hasn't been mentioned yet that you feel like should be at the top of the most important pay-per-views within within the company? I think those are all good answers. Um, I would have to agree with the majority that it's WrestleMania 1. Without WrestleMania 1, the company would have died. I mean, Vince himself has said that. All Hogan has said that. Other people have said that. And, like, there are various DVD releases and whatnot. That if that pay-per-view failed, their whole pay-per-view model would have been fucked. They would have never done another pay-per-view again. And I don't know if the company would cease to exist. I don't know for how much longer they would have been around. But it would not be the global phenomenon it is today. I mean, I saw people say WrestleMania 3 and how iconic of a pay-per-view that was. I mean, but as big as WrestleMania 3 was with Steve Gunn Savage and, and Hogan and Andre, the company was already pretty big by 87. So if you don't have WrestleMania 3, nothing really much would have changed. I'm actually kind of shocked. You might have said it and I missed it, but I don't think you did. I don't know if anyone said this. I'm actually kind of surprised no one said WrestleMania 17 now by almost everyone it's the most beloved and favorite pay-per-view of all time i still wouldn't say that's the biggest pay-per-view in wwe history maybe the best not the biggest um, in terms of being the equivalent to bash of the beach 96 for wcw it was a turning point for all the wrong reasons it was the end of the attitude there that after that after the austin heel and business went down considerably from that point forward um but i would have to agree with the majority that wrestlemania one is the single most important pay-per-view in wwe history to continue the responses, we have at Brandon G. Nets. He said WrestleMania 3. We also have uh, This Is DAM, King of the Ring 1996. We also have um, L underscore Tavo 619, WrestleMania 1, because it kept them uh, afloat. But then there's also WrestleMania 14, as it was the turning of the war between them and WCW. Um, at Nerd Happily, WrestleMania 14. At Haas, 1129, WrestleMania 3. Um, at M House J21, Survivor Series 97, which is the Montreal screw job. And Greg underscore Cumberland said <laughs> Backlash where Hogan beat Sting. <laughs> I'm sorry, where Hogan beat Triple H. And. And you know what? I took all these responses and I, and I put them in, in in a bubble. And I said, you know what? I did come up with, to me, what I felt were, I, I guess, 
we can say the most important because I think obviously that, that that goes to WrestleMania one because without that there's no Rumble, there's no Survivor Series, there's no SummerSlam. So WrestleMania one is in a class by itself. But I think other pay per views are most important because of the time that they were in. So WrestleMania one, yes. WrestleMania three, yes. Um, I I did put King of the Ring '96 because obviously that's the pay per view that launched you know, quote-unquote, the greatest superstar of all time. Um, Survivor Series 1997, Brett, Sean, Montreal, job. Like, it was important for many different reasons at that time. It's, it's, it's the back and forth with Raw and Nitro, the Monday Night War, and that pay-per-view became very, very significant of what they were going to do going forward. It, it was right, right at the beginning, or it was quote-unquote not yet attitude era-ish yet but once that pay-per-view uh ended um the company just changed with a 360 with how they were going to portray their their television stars um i did say wrestlemania 14 because that's tyson austin um Shawn michaels you get the biggest star outside of wrestling to come in into your building into your domain and possibly get one of the biggest buy rates in pay-per-view history for the company. And again, you're battling WCW at the time and WrestleMania 17, which just kind of solidifies you winning that war against WCW. And like, you know what? We, we defeated our competition. There's no ECW no more. There's no WCW and the company won't have competition for many years later until TNA got on board. So I think those are all very important for many different reasons. But I think without without WrestleMania one, we don't get WrestleMania thirty four next year. So, um, but for different reasons, yes, during the time and the era that they were placed, yes. Um, but to me, I think WrestleMania one, regardless if you're a fan of the of the card, and you know, I that's not a WrestleMania that I watch. I don't have a favorite match on it. Without that, you're not getting. All the other pay-per-views that followed. So um, I do want to thank all the people who who responded. A lot of great responses. Um, so Grand WrestleMania one, three, fourteen, seventeen, King of the Ring ninety-six, Survivor Series ninety-seven. Am I in the ballpark with you as far as most important pay-per-views in WWF WWE? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think all those pay-per-views are definitely important. As people said, important for different reasons. I think, obviously, WrestleMania 1 takes the cake, as you had said as well. In each one for different eras, I would say King of the Ring 96 and Survivor Series 97 and WrestleMania 14, all important for different reasons and launching forward and you know pushing forward the Attitude Era. WrestleMania 17 for ending the Attitude Era. And it's interesting, all those pay-per-views, I mean, a few of them happen within a few years of each other. Like you said, 96 King of the Ring, Survivor Series 97, WrestleMania 14, that's one per year. Uh, really not obviously from recent years, if I had to say from the past 15 years or so. I think one that gets forgotten is WrestleMania 21 uh, would be a big one of the new millennium, considering that John Cena and won their first world, uh, won their first world titles there. The debut of Money in the Bank, where Edge won and became a superstar. Rey Mysterio, excuse me, Rey Mysterio emerged as a star in that show. Randy Orton came out as a, as a star in that show. Uh, so that was in 2005. Someone said Money in the Bank 2011. I would argue, I don't know about the best pay-per-view of all time. It's up there. Um, but definitely an important pay-per-view for different reasons for that time period six years ago. Maybe WrestleMania 30, when the streak ended and Daniel Bryan won the belt and other things happened. Yeah. That was a pretty important pay-per-view. <clears throat> those, those are the most important ones that I would say from the past at least 10 to 15 years. Not many of them, but again, WrestleMania 21, WrestleMania 30, and uh, Money in the Bank 2011, all for different reasons, in addition to the ones that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, I I felt it. I felt it was a pretty good topic to to try to get some responses to, to bring on 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 the show. Um, you know, I mean, you've been fans of the company for so long, watching so many pay per views, and I, I know I got a lot of fans on Twitter that really go back to the Attitude Era, New Generation Era, the Golden Age Era, that could really tell me, hey, you know, you know, you, you, how can you forget this pay per view, or how dare you not leave, you know, this off the list? But I think you know, out of all the pay per views. They're all pretty good in, in, into some context, but you might just get six, seven, 
eight most important pay-per-views within the company. And if I if me and you forgot anything, I apologize. But I think when you try to narrow down the significance of the time, the era, the place, um, the battles of the Monday Night War, winning the war, and what have you done? What have you done in the last seventeen years when you really don't have competition? Like uh, from two thousand one till to now, WrestleMania thirty, like you mentioned, twenty one, maybe WrestleMania nineteen. Um, even WrestleMania 18 when Hogan fought The Rock, you know, as far as the whole pay-per-view, I don't know, a match, yeah, big time. But as far as the whole, you know, top to bottom uh, WrestleMania, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure there's a, there's SummerSlams out there we're forgetting. There's, there's Royal Rumbles. There's Survivor Series that, that, we, that we're forgetting. King of the Rings. So, um, but I, I, I did like the conversation. I did I did like the topic. And um, I, I, I greatly appreciate you you uh, you know responding and so so far with these uh, Twitter responses. So stuff like that is what I want to do going forward with the show. We'll, yeah, we'll touch on the Raw and the SmackDowns and a little little bit less, you know, preview of a pay per view, review of a pay per view. Me and you barely spoke great balls of fire, so that that's one fact. But um, going forward, you know, we can save off a topic, at, you know, near the end of the show and really bring back of what what we missed. That and you know, something that that we missed, but we should really have in today's uh, modern era of, of wrestling. I agree. Always looking back on this type of stuff, not only looking at the pay-per-views that 20, 15, 30 years ago are important as well, but and it's a breathing debate, especially with today's fans. A lot of those people that um, that answer that cue may have not been satisfied with the current product, or there's a lot of people who still follow wrestling but aren't really fans, if that makes sense. They just kind of follow, keep tabs on what's going on, but um, don't really follow the day-to-day stuff that we do. And those people love to contribute as well in debating the greatest pay-per-views ever, greatest superstars ever, most important pay-per-views ever. And wrestling fans are very, very passionate. And they're very, very knowledgeable, too. Yeah. So the kind of conversation like that is great. I, I love wrestling fans and talking fans. So doing stuff like this thing is always great. And I uh, look forward to doing more of it in the future, too. What about Survivor Series 2015 when Sheamus beat Roman Reigns? <laughs> Ooh, classic day for me. Just kidding. That was a drizzling shit. Awful show. <laughs> uh, Graham Matthews, you can follow him on Twitter at WrestleRant, host of WrestleRant Radio. Does great work for Bleacher Report. Give him a follow. You can follow me on Twitter as well, Randy J. Cruz. Me and Graham do this, do this every week. Um, here on two out of three falls podcast on Cruise Control. Graham, always appreciate it. And thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Thanks, as always. Appreciate it. Glad to be back here on Two Out of Three Falls. Looking forward to talking to you next week, my friend, and I'll catch your ass down the road. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, brother. See you. All right.